So we're excited about starting this series today. Just uh, kind of give you a, a brief over this next many weeks. We'll be talking about this, looking at stories in Scripture where Jesus comes and interacts with people and how they are different after he comes in contact with them. Why they are different or how they are different. And also sharing stories about people that you rub shoulders with each week that in this room we would do some of them by video different ways even through the church of the nazarene we have there are certain stories we're going to tell and sometimes they'll be like this morning be more live okay best way i know to say it so that's how we're going to roll over these next many weeks around this series called somebody now we won't show that video every week okay at that length we will shorten that we'll have a walk-up song more than that video but uh anyway so i hope you enjoy it and uh, we'll have it before long where you can share it if you want to those type of things but again excited about this morning we're going to be in john chapter 3 it's a story of Jesus and Nicodemus, and one reason I wanted to share this story today, uh, now I've shared this with you before, and, and those who have preached over the years probably have shared it many times, which I, like I have, but it's the story of Jesus and Nicodemus uh, coming, interfacing, uh, and the concept that will come out of that today is Jesus sharing with Nicodemus about being born again. But the, the thought before that, though, is in a little kind of backdrop, the story begins with Nicodemus uh, approaching Jesus uh, private at night. And there, there may be some things around that. We won't go into that, why it was at night. But, but he's described as a Pharisee. He's a member of the governing Sanhedrin or the kind of the Senate or the council or the National Council for the Jewish people. And what I love about when you, as we read this, and you'll see it, he respectfully addresses Jesus as rabbi. So there is this sense that he is a teacher from God however it's evident that he does not see him as the Messiah at this point the reality is like many of us Nicodemus comes to Jesus not really knowing who he's talking to we're not quite sure what's happening but we are interested, intrigued, stirred enough to continue to ask questions. To come at night. Especially again, this is a member of the religious leadership, okay? The Sanhedrin. So he is coming. Again, why he's coming at night, we, we may or may not know the answer to that. But as we read, you'll see that's the case. And for many of you uh, that maybe you're here today... And what I was going to say was the reason why I'm following up on this. Many of you last week raised your hand at the end of the service to accept Christ as your Savior. Now, we didn't get a chance to follow up with you individually, but I hope this message today gives you a little more foundation and hopefully we can continue this conversation. If you're here today and you were here last week and you raised your hand, but if you weren't here last week, this is still for you too. If you didn't raise your hand last week, it's still for you too. If you have been a believer for 30, 40 years, I hope this message is for you. But I was going to say this. Those who maybe 
you're not familiar with the Bible like I've shared with you before. I was 26 years old and didn't even know what the first book of the Bible was. Okay, I didn't, I'd heard of it, but didn't know where it was or didn't know what it meant, didn't know its connection. Many of you may not know anything about the Bible today if you walked in here, but you've probably seen at a ball game John 3.16. Somewhere at some sporting event or something, you've seen that. Well, today we're just going to touch on that a little bit, so hopefully that'll be something familiar for you. But we're just going to read 1 through 15 at this point, John chapter 3. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're... We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked? You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we've seen, but still you do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He's talking about himself, obviously. Jesus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the, man, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And even just that last verse in verse 14, we could camp on, or next to the last verse, on that specific thing. But we won't today, maybe at a different time in a different sermon. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus again at night, he wants to know. He's curious. But I think there's probably a greater reason why Nicodemus comes, and it's probably the reason why all of us come to Jesus, because there's something longing within us. There's something in us that draws us. There's something in us that makes us want to ask questions. There's something that happens that stirs us. We get exposed enough maybe to it, sometimes we're not even really exposed to it, but sometimes we're exposed enough of Jesus that it makes us curious. And I think that's what happened to Nicodemus. Now, he is risking a lot, obviously, by coming at this time. But Jesus goes to right, he goes right to the heart of the problem. There must be a new kind of life if a person is to walk in the presence of of God something has to change the question we asked last week and this is the reason I said today I think this message is for all of us including this pastor is that you can attend, attend a church for 30 40 years maybe you gave your life to, a, to, a, to the Lord as a child 
And maybe though you gave it at a camp and you did what everybody else did, maybe, just maybe, and I'm not here today to question your salvation. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But the question I asked you last week was, and the, the theme of the message last week, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? And one of those things I listed was religion. I believe part of the reason Nicodemus came to Jesus was the religion that he had been a part of, he was the leader of, he realized it did not give light or life. You can quote the creeds. I was just listening to some of the testimonies that are going to be shared over these next many weeks. One of the things I hear, uh, heard a few different times that they've attended churches where they knew the rituals, but they didn't know Jesus. They'd have been exposed. They were committed, but they didn't know Jesus. You can have the drill down. You can check the boxes. But I believe Nicodemus knew there was something stirring. There was something more. And here's the shocker. Jesus didn't say this. I don't believe Jesus is going in an arrogant, self-righteous way, even though he is divine. You know, when he came to the earth, he didn't, he made a decision to set aside his divine, but he's still divine. He's still God. So he's not talking to Nicodemus, I don't think, in the sense of looking down his nose at him. He's just speaking truth with love. Nicodemus, you're not in. You're not in. And whatever pleasure we may have today in seeing Nicodemus kind of twist in the wind as Jesus starts playing this little, not game with him, I don't think that's it, but Jesus is going, dude, you should know the truth. I mean, I mean, how much we enjoy that. Here, I, this is what I believe. Nicodemus just doesn't represent Nicodemus, and he doesn't just represent the religious leaders or the Jewish people. He re- represents every man. Every man. Every woman, every child, he represents all of us. So here comes Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus, you know, asked that question. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I think it's a, that's just a pretty funny way to ask, say that, you know, but... But it has deep spiritual truth. See, the whole idea of the kingdom was not necessarily new to Nicodemus. So in that sense, Jesus is not bringing up something new like, oh, kingdom of God, I've never heard of that before. Oh, no, he had heard of that. But what was revolutionary about this was that Jesus is telling Nicodemus, I didn't come for just the Jews I came for everybody and I didn't just come for everybody it's personal I'm just not judging you guys as a group I'm not just trying to draw you as a group hey you guys just come on in as a group 
The kingdom that you thought we were going to fight for, that kingdom that you thought that somehow or another I was going, when the Messiah came, he was going to overthrow the ruling people party, whether it was Rome, which is where they were at that time, or some other. Because you thought that, no, that's not the fight that's going to fight. The fight is inside. You thought I was coming to bring liberty on the outside. I have come to deal with the inside. Revolutionary. The thought of a kingdom is not revolutionary. But where, and, and for them, they kept thinking the kingdom was futuristic. It's somewhere out there. Jesus go, it's nearer than you think. It's now. Repent for the kingdom of God is where? Oh, a hundred years from now. That's not what he said. Repent for the kingdom of God is where? Right here, baby. Revolutionary. Blew his world up. So Jesus uses this image of a baby being born to describe the beginning of the Christian life. And if you go throughout Scripture, Hebrews in different places, and Paul and 1 Corinthians 2, and then the writer of Hebrews, they continue to use it as far as maturity. If you just want to follow it on out. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, and again, I think Nicodemus asked a great question. I mean, go back to my mother's womb. Is that that what you're saying? But Jesus uses an illustration, and I'm going to take, I don't know if I'm taking liberties. It depends on when you do research. If if why You say, well, why does Jesus say you must be born of water and of spirit? Uh, I don't think he's talking about baptism here. Oh, by the way, we will be having a... A baptismal service, if you want to be a part of that, we'll be talking more about that on May 19th. I think that's the date. So you'll be seeing that in our email and more announcements coming forward. But that's not really what he's talking about here, I don't think. Even though it could be ultimately part of it as time goes on. But this is an illustration I got years ago in my head. And I think it's backed up reasonably with Scripture. And it's this. When we are born from our mother's womb, obviously we're in water until there's a point where the water what? Breaks. And there is this gushing. There is this coming forth of. But, not to, but even though when we're in our mother's womb, we have hands, if, if everything is, 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 is what a baby would be, that is at full maturity and, and fully there, uh, have hands to... To feel, but we really can't feel. We have eyes to see, but we really can't see. Have a nose to breathe, but we really can't breathe. Have ears to hear, but we maybe really can't hear. We have feet to go, but we really can't go until we're what? Born. We have to come from the mother's womb to be birthed, to be born. And then over time, what do we do? We hope, we mature. And those legs that were all bowed up and in a fetal position now become straight. Those arms, those, those ears to hear now be hear. Those eyes to see can see. When we're born from a mother's womb. The Word tells us that we were created in the image of God. Not physically, but spiritually. So when we're born again in the Spirit... 
When we're born again, except Jesus Christ is our Savior. When we're born again, when the Spirit draws us, and the Word says we can only be born again by the Spirit drawing us. It's by God's grace drawing us. It's not by a fast-talking preacher or guilt or shame. But it's by the Spirit drawing us. And the Spirit can use all kinds of circumstances. Uh, he's not even li- God's not limited by this building. That's not limited by your sermon, your, 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 your uh, podcast. He can do it however he wants to do it, if you're willing to listen. But when we're born of the Spirit, and the Word says we cannot even understand it until we're born there. That's the reason why it made no sense before. When we're born of the Spirit, now I have spiritual eyes to see what I couldn't see before. They were there, but not till I was born. I had spiritual ears to hear of what I couldn't hear before until I was born of the Spirit. I had spiritual feet that would never go where they would go until I was born of the Spirit. Hands to the plow, if you will. Hands to do what I would have never done before until I was born of the Spirit. A tongue to speak boldly. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, rescued me, have a heart to sing. I'm just telling you, folks, and here's what's happening sometimes for some of you. The Scripture says it doesn't make sense till you're born of the Spirit. Scripture backs that up over and over. You cannot understand spiritual things. You're not capable until you're born again. Salvation only can be realized through the radical restart of your life. It's so radical that in one sense, it's like being birthed and born again. Again, the reason I asked earlier or said earlier, this is maybe for everybody today, is to ask the question, has that happened in my life? I've been attending a long time. I go to church. I do all the right things. Has that happened? Because you won't be at the end of the day were you a faithful church attender or even a faithful tither. And I serve the poor. Remember last week that you can try to find life by just serving the poor and miss Jesus. Those are all great things. But why are you looking for living amongst things that can't give you life? There's only one life source. There's only one place for living water. There's only one place you can go where you'll never thirst again. There's only one place you can go where there's this perpetual wellspring of life that comes up from, from eternity. You have that. With, it's only one place. I wish I could teach on today, but we don't have time. I wish I could teach more on the Holy Spirit today. And you say, well, you, could just, you just could. I know that'll come at a different time. What Jesus is saying says, Nicodemus, do you hear the wind? Do, do you understand the wind, Nicodemus? You say, well, I don't understand this whole spiritual thing. Well, do you understand the wind? 
Okay, so if you don't understand the spiritual thing, where does the wind come from? How do you control it? It's a mystery, isn't it? Even the greatest scientists can't figure that out. They can't harness it. And so why are we so confused that there is a mystery around this? We're all used to mysteries. But he said, Nicodemus, have you ever seen the wind? And Nicodemus goes, well, yeah, but probably not. Well, have you seen the effects of the wind? Let me say this, friend. Where the Spirit is working in a person's life or in a community, the effects are undeniable. You can't fake those. You can fake a lot of things because there is some kind of anointing on it. It's more than doing good deeds. It's more than there is an anointing to it. There's a fragrance and aroma of it. And let me say this. There are people. I can tell you the day I, and I'm going to share a little bit of my story here in a minute. The day I gave my life to Christ, in night, December 13th, 1986, I'm going to tell you, and I think Jan would profess, and those who knew me, again, I didn't know what the first book of the Bible was for the most part. But God had anointed me to share the good news. <laughs> From that day forward, it was undeniable what God had done. I didn't have all the other stuff figured out. I hadn't started attending church regularly. I hadn't started tithing yet. But God's spirit on me was undeniable. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I hope today that I can live into that. But here's the deal. We cannot command it. I can't make you saved. I can't make me saved. But what I can do is, is get in the flow of where the Spirit is active and start writing. And let Him do what only He can do. All I can do is try to help you get there, but I can't make it happen. Only the Spirit can do it. I can plead with you. I can beg you. I can give you a framework, but I can't make you. What's so great about this is Jesus coming. As I said earlier, he came and did not leave his divine. He was still divine, but he was man. And what I love about it is, is we don't have to work our way there. Guess what? When you're born from your mother's womb, you don't work at it. Guess who has to push? Not you. <laughs> Guess who has to go to classes beforehand? Yeah, Lamont. Haven't they do still do Lamont's classes? Anybody know what that is? Okay. <laughs> Jan and I went to first one we went to when Sydney was born, and I've been. I did. I thought I did good till we got in the delivery room, and it was pretty much get out of the way. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> So the second time around, they did a refresher course, and I thought, okay, same thing happened all four times. Anyway, just so you know. My point is this. I did nothing. Jan did the work. The doctors did the work. Sometimes you have to have forceps to bring them out. There are different things back in the day they used to. I don't know how. What I'm saying is, to be birthed, you probably do nothing. Guess what? That's the way it is in the spiritual realm. You do nothing. 
The Spirit births you, but you accept it. You receive it. You accept Him as Savior. But it's only by grace. Only by grace that you are saved. But you have a choice in that. To accept it or not. But what I love about it is Jesus didn't sit on some, like in a kind of a visual for me, some high mountain somewhere and said, like Mount Everest, and said, if you can scale this, then you can have eternal life. And some might make it, because they do, right? Some, some make it to the top of Mount Everest. So some might be saved. But what's ha- what I think is awesome is the way came to us. As a baby, as a cross, he came to us. That's good news. I'm going to do this one more time, and I never do this. That's good news. That is really good news. If you're here for the first time, you know I don't beg, but I had to beg right there, okay? You, you need to say it's good news. That is awesome news. The way came to us. That meeting Nicodemus had with Jesus was unbelievably impactful, in my opinion. He was curious. He was awakened. He came to Jesus. And then in John 7, 45 through, 7, 45 through 52, this is after the Feast of the Tabernacles, this, this scripture says, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, because Jesus had just said, just so you know, Jesus just said that he was the living water. They had a problem with this. Okay, they had a problem with this, but now Nicodemus has already met with Jesus. They may not know this. But finally the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked him, why didn't you bring him in? Well, well, no one ever spoke that way. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I, I didn't know what to do because I never heard anything like this. You mean he has deceived you also? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? I don't think right there Nicodemus went, hey, I'm over here. I don't think that happened. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own, meaning of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, asked, you know it's got to be one of those kind of things. I got a question. Because I'm not a believer. I don't believe in him. I just want to make sure we're fair about all this. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Surely that's right. Are you from Galilee too? I have a feeling it just shut Nicodemus down pretty quick. No doubt he was intimidated by his peers. Ever been there? You're curious about Jesus. You're out there trying to figure it all out. You kind of get a little step into some situations and you really try to, to know. You, you want to know. You just want to know. But man, you, you, you're, you're, you're torn. Aren't you? You're, you're torn. Man, I lived there for really the last six months before I gave my life to Christ. Because I ran from Christ for 10 years, from 15 to 26. I ran from Christ. I didn't even want to hear about it because just different reasons. But there were so many reasons. But he came anyway. He loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he is relentless. He loves you. 
And you can make all the excuses for everything. But he loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. When you say, boy, I wish God would quit coming after me. No, you don't. You really don't. Because I did for a decade and it cost me. And cost others because of it. Then there's Nicodemus in John 19, 38 through 42. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came up and took the body away. He was accompanied by our friend, Nicodemus. The man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. Wow. (laughs) Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. But there ain't no grave. Stories written, I don't know if it's true or not, that Nicodemus was actually there when Pilate trying to defend Jesus with Pilate. That he got booted out of the Sanhedrin, by the way. That he became one of those that was persecuted. Even legend has it, and I don't know this, that he was buried the same place Stephen was buried, right next to him. Did this interaction make a difference in Nicodemus' life? Oh, I think so. Why do I believe Nicodemus came? For the same reason people have come for centuries. Because of the deep hunger of their soul. It's why we all come. Those who come. Jesus and the disciples went around saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. But let me please, and I love the fact of that song talking about guilt and shame. They were not going around saying guilty, guilty, or condemnation and condemnation. What they were going around saying was invitation, invitation to a life of freedom. That's what they were saying. Jesus asked Nicodemus, do you hear it? Do you hear the wind? Do you hear the spirit moving? And he can come in all kinds of circumstances. He can come when you're not expecting it. As I shared with you just a little bit last week, when I gave my life to Christ in 1986, my life wasn't tragic. Actually, it was really good. I'd just gotten married, had a beautiful child, had a good job, all those things, but he didn't leave me alone. And the more I exposed myself to him, the more he was relentless. I gave my life to the Lord, as most of you know, in a pickup truck. 
four, four people on a, on a one bench truck, just one cab truck, at Highway 82 and Exit 199 in New Boston, Texas. I gave my life to the Lord there, and it transformed my life. He is not bound by your parameters. You can avoid even going to church, and he's not bound by that. I'm not trying to be funny or arrogant. I'm just saying he's not bound by that. Just by not going to church does not limit his drawing. He loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. I love what John 16, 3, 16 through 21. It's for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. But he did not send his son into the world to condemn it. That's the reason why I said earlier when he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was not saying guilty, guilty, condemnation, condemnation. That's not what he was saying because he didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to do what? Save it. And here's a sign. Here's a sign in verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen what they have done. Those who live by the truth come into the light. So Nicodemus, you're not in. There's only one way. It's to be born again. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That's Jesus' words. That's not anybody. That's his. Some of you are having an awakening. God's put a thirst within you with no other drink inside except him. Take that picture. God has put a thirst within you that there is no other drink that will ever do except Him. It'll never be quenched. You can cover it. Uh, There's a lot of ways to cover it. Three questions I want to put up as we close. And that's Josiah and him, the band, come on up. Three signs, three great signs, and I know I'm I, I, a little fear and trembling. I put these up here, and I, what I mean by that is I don't want to put God in a box, but I just want to help us. Like I said earlier, I can't make you saved, but I can give you some things to help you along the way to ask the questions. One is this. Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, believing that He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
Second, that the Christian spiritual thing no longer seems foolish. You begin to desire for more knowledge of spiritual thing. What becomes really shocking is that it starts to actually make sense. All of a sudden, you have spiritual eyes to see what you couldn't see before. Now, all of a sudden, you're going, how did that even, how did I miss that before? One of the things that came to realization with me was all this was going on. All this was going on, and I wasn't in on it. Guess what? It didn't become true December 13th, 1986, the day I believed. It was already true Then I believed. It was already going on. It's going on around you. The third one is you're now looking at life, relationships, events, concerns from a spiritual standpoint. This always includes the desire and increased capacity to obey God and love people. You begin to see from God's side of things. Today as we close had a couple of options as far as uh, an invitation today. One is, I don't want you to leave here today if you've just accepted Christ in the last week from Easter today, or you have today, you believe he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he has been raised from the dead. The word says not only do you believe in your heart, but you have to profess with your mouth. Profess with your mouth. You need to tell somebody. You need to drive down a stake and go, I have got to say it. That's not my words. Profess it clearly. But I'd also like to say to those who have been believers a long time or professing believers, could you sing that song? We're going to sing Ain't No Grave here in a minute, right? Or Lord, I need you. You you do whatever. Uh, But let me say this. The song, the, the nobody song, says I'm just a nobody trying to tell Everybody about somebody who saved my life. You don't have an option in this to not profess it. You don't have an option not to tell. So I'm torn today in this sense to challenge those who are believers. Are you telling people? And would you stand today as an invitation, part of the invitation to go, if somebody wants to come to me today and me pray with them and me listen to what God has done in their life, I will do it. And I will share if they ask what God has done in my life.